0: Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the other end of the book of Psalms, now all the way uh, to Psalm 148. And um, the book of Psalms uh, is one that, as you read through it, you have uh, all of the human emotions (laughs) are kind of worked in there somehow. Uh, But there are some psalms that are more of lament, and then there are some psalms that are more of praise, and those actually kind of switch as you're going through, that more towards the beginning, you have more psalms of lament, and more towards the end, you have more psalms of praise. So they're all still present everywhere. And uh, so it seems fitting that at the end of this year, where we may have had a lot of lamenting, that as we come to the end of this year, we actually end it with a psalm of praise. So this is Psalm 148, verses 1 through 14. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for your word that you have given to us. Lord, we ask that this morning your word would water our hearts. Lord, that this morning, by your word and by your spirit, you would continue to grow us into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you. Through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Psalm 148 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he has raised up for his people a horn. The praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Turning then to our New Testament reading from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. Here we are looking at uh, not the birth of Jesus, but just after the birth of Jesus. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. I don't know how many of you have ever worked in a restaurant before, but I have. And full disclosure, I was terrible. But whether you have or haven't, maybe you can imagine uh, what it would be like if you were say 18 years old and you decide to uh, get a job at a restaurant, work your way through school kind of a thing. And so you go and you apply at this restaurant and they hire you and you're all excited because you got a job and, um, and you go to the job and they have a uh, training video for you to watch and you're like, I do not care. I don't care about any of this, all I care about is the paycheck, that's what I'm here for. And they're trying to explain, here's how we do what we do, here's why we do what we do, and you're like, I don't care, I'm j- I just want the paycheck. And uh, then it comes time to actually start on the floor, and you're, you're waiting tables, and instead of actually w- waiting the tables, you start getting in arguments with some of the other waiters about what would be the most efficient uh, place to put the the glasses for, uh, you know, making the drinks to get them out there. Meanwhile, you have tables waiting for you to go to them, but you're not going. You're arguing with the other waiters in the back. When the manager comes in, how's that going to go? Not well, is it? Not at all. Because though you are looking forward to the paycheck... Um, there's another whole part of this. And that is actually doing the job you're hired for. But now, take another approach. What if instead of uh, looking for a paycheck and going getting a job and that sort of thing, what if that same restaurant owner comes to you? You're at school. You're minding your own business. Comes to you and says, I... I'm looking for someone to be my heir. And so he comes and he takes you and he brings you into not only the restaurant, but into his family and adopts you as his own child. And says, you are now my child and I want you to come to the restaurant with me and I want you to learn from me how we do this, why we do this. Because one day you're going to be running this restaurant. And in fact, not only has he adopted you, he's given you the name that he gave to the restaurant itself. And so everywhere you go, when you're uh, going back to classes and you introduce yourself to new friends and they say, Oh, I've heard that name before. Is that like the restaurant? I love that place. You say, Yeah, it is actually. My dad's the owner. (laughs) Or people meet you and they say, Oh, is that like that restaurant? I can't stand that place. You say, Yeah, it is. (laughs) My dad's the owner. But the way that you would respond to uh, to customers showing up in each of those scenarios, I think, would be a little different, don't you? The way that you pay attention to why it is we do what we do at this restaurant is different. If you're just looking for the paycheck, or if your name and your identity is a part of this restaurant, and the way that it operates has to do with who you are and what you're looking forward to in the future beyond a paycheck. Okay. You see where this is going. <laughs> this is uh, an analogy that of course breaks down like they all do. But this is an analogy of what it means to be adopted as sons and as sons then heirs. Heirs of the kingdom of God. And, um, and so there are Ways that we do things that are different, and there are ways that we do things that we ought to be paying attention to and caring about. And all of this brings us to Titus uh, chapter 3, and the first verse that we're going to look at is actually going to kick us back into the first part of chapter 3. This is uh, chapter 3, 8 through 15. We're going to read the whole thing, and then we'll go through it um, in a bit. This is Titus chapter 3. Take in what you can the first time through, and then we'll go through it more carefully. It says, This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I've decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good. In order to provide for, ur- for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. All right. Where do we begin? We began with a sentence uh, This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things. But we didn't read what the trustworthy saying was and what it is that we're supposed to be stressing. It's like a mystery. Let's see if we can solve this mystery. What is it that, we are, that is a trustworthy saying? What is it that Paul is telling Titus he wants him to stress? We know what he's not supposed to stress. We've read that already. He's certainly not supposed to be stressing uh, foolish controversies or genealogies or arguments and quarrels about the law. There are plenty of people doing those things, and Paul says, don't go there. That's not for you. That's not for the people of God. In fact, there is something, though, that you are supposed to stress that is a trustworthy saying. And that is what we looked at on Christmas Eve. And uh, for those who who missed that or for those who need a review, it's this, starting in verse 3. That one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Having the hope of eternal life. This is a trust, trustworthy saying. I want you to stress these things. Now, think about this. Titus's job on the island of Crete was to go around church to church, and he's supposed to be appointing elders who are those people who have been who uh, are kind of farther farther along in following Jesus, have been following him longer, have had their lives changed by him. And they are to help others follow Jesus better. That's the whole idea. So it makes sense that Paul would give Titus some instructions as to which things are the important things to make sure to mention as you go church to church. Because everywhere he goes, in every church he's going to go to, he's going to find people who are talking about the stuff they ought to be talking about and who are talking about the stuff they shouldn't be talking about. And so what Paul says to Titus is, as you go from place to place, make sure that that you're putting the stress and the emphasis on the right stuff. And the right stuff is the Jesus stuff. It is not on our own goodness. It is not on our own righteousness. In fact, we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when The kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. This is what it is that we are supposed to be uh, stressing, that we are supposed to be talking about, that we go back to again and again and again. Not to us, but to you be the glory. And to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Um, so loved he the world, that he gave us his son. These are songs that we sing um, because they remind us of what we ought to be reminded of. These are the things that we ought to be stressing. And, uh, and there's a purpose for this. And that is, as we reflect on these things, like we were talking about in the children's sermon it actually waters our heart this is the uh, where it talks about being having the the washing of rebirth and renewal by the holy spirit this is that being born again to a whole new way of life and having the holy spirit poured out on us that we actually do operate differently as those who are in christ And the more that we continue to reflect on these things, the more it will continue to actually grow and produce fruit in our lives. And this, what it looks like, is when he says, uh, verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying, I want you to stress these things, why? So that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. In other words, uh, when we say, okay, I accept Jesus, and so what that means is I'm going to turn away from sin. And we think, okay, that means I've got to identify all the things that I've been doing that are wrong, and I need to stop doing those things. And, if that, and that's true. <laughs> but if that's all that repentance means, is just turning away from what's wrong, and just stopping doing all the bad things, all that does is makes us do nothing. But it's not just a turning from what we've been doing that's wrong, but it's actually turning to the doing what is good. That's the whole, and the whole thing. is, uh, And this is what repentance means. is actually turning 180 degrees, turning around. You were going this direction, we turn around. This is what uh, Paul talks about when he says, at one time we were like this, but now <laughs> the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, and he saved us, and he turns us around. So away from what was... Uh, what was foolish and disobedient. And two, doing what is good. And he says, this is the stuff that's excellent. This is the stuff that's profitable for everyone. This is not just good for you personally, though it is, but this is what will benefit the people that you interact with. The people in your family, the people in your church, the people in your community, in your job, in your school, in your neighborhood. These are the things as we uh if we just stop doing what's bad that's help that, that is a help <laughs> but there's also there's so much more to it and it's the doing what is uh good and uh going back to the the restaurant analogy you you might imagine the manager saying look yes uh we make a lot of food here but this isn't really a food business this is a people business, right? This is a service industry. That's what we're about. We're about feeding people who need to be fed. And we're going to do that. That's why we make the food. But we don't make the food just to make the food. We make the food to feed the people. (laughs) And just keeping that in mind. This is kind of what Paul is talking about. In the doing what is good, that is profitable, that is excellent for everyone, meeting the needs of people around us. And then he gets into this section about, you know, divisive people and, you know, have nothing to do with them and all that. And if we read this wrong, we read this like the rest of the world. And this is kind of how things have been going lately. If you read it wrong, it sounds like this Hang out with people you agree with. If anyone disagrees with you about anything, shun them forever. Does that sound about right? That's the way of this world. It's what it sounds like this might be saying. That's not what this is saying. <laughs> so we have to be careful, because that is just the way of the world, is uh, just hang out with people you agree with. If you don't agree about something, then shun them forever. Um, but no, what this is talking about is something different. This is talking about a gathering of people. This is talking about a church where people are going to disagree about all kinds of things. But that's not a reason to separate. In fact, those disagreements are a help to us in a lot of ways. We don't have time to get into right now. But he says there are some things, though, that are problematic. And that would be things he labels as foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law. Now, let me explain the genealogy thing for those of you who got tripped up by that and you're like, should I not be on Ancestry.com? I don't know. It's not about that. These are... the controversies of people, specifically the Jewish people, who are going back and tracing their own ancestry all the way back to, you know, say, Abraham or Moses or Adam and saying, because I can trace my family line to there, that puts me at a special higher position, whereas you, Gentile, you have no idea where your family comes from. And you definitely don't go back to Abraham like I do. That makes me, you know, a better christian than you and paul's like are you kidding me stop it <laughs> that's not how this works at all no jews gentiles all together the same in christ and so it's the uh, arguing about these kinds of things that i'm um kind of putting in a category in the restaurant thing again of you know arguing over where you put the glasses Who cares where you put the glasses? You know, there may be a hundred different places to put them and it all works fine. Serve the people. That's the point. And so what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about the warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time after that have nothing to do with them. This is not shun the people you disagree with. This is stop wasting your time on people who are seeking to destroy the church. People, whether they are in the church or out of the church, if they have lost sight of the mission, of wh- what it is we're supposed to be about, then you warn them. Now, this warning is not like a, you better watch it, buddy, kind of a thing. This is a warning uh, kind of like if you are driving down the road, you've got one of those cars that if you start to veer out of the lane, it beeps, that kind of warning. It's saying you're, you're getting off track and you're headed for a problem if you don't get back on the road. So it says, warn them. But you, you warn them for their own good. But if they have decided, no, this is the way I'm going, then you say, well, then that's on you. That's what this is about. And so uh, we do want to remind ourselves... What is it that we are supposed to be about so that we don't get off track? And we look at this from time to time. We're going to do so again this morning. Andrew, go ahead and put that next slide up there. This is the great commandment. When asked uh, what is the greatest commandment, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So The two things that we are supposed to be about is loving the Lord our God and loving our neighbors. That's what we're supposed to be about. And then there's what's known as the Great Commission. This is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And he, the disciples, he calls the disciples to him, and he says to them, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age This is what we're supposed to be about. You see i've put some things in bold there uh, That we are to go and make disciples We're to be baptizing people and teaching them to obey everything jesus has said and so that what that looks like Is go make disciples Love the lord our, with all our hearts baptize people in the body of believers teach people to obey jesus and love our neighbors ourselves This is what we're supposed to be about And we can disagree on an awful lot of things and still do this right And so it's not about whether we disagree with people or not It's about whether or not we are on mission and not just a mission that we've come up with whether or not We are on the mission that the king has set for us When he says, follow me, he says, follow me in doing these things. Now, at our church, we actually have a way of saying this that reminds us that these are kind of the the first things that we are to be about. Here's how we say this. Put it in the acronym, uh, yeah, FIRST, F-I-R-S-T. Facilitate new relationships with Jesus, incline our hearts toward the Lord, Relate to one another in intimate community. Stimulate one another to grow to maturity in Christ and tend to the needs of others in love. This is what we're about. These are the things that we are supposed to be uh, devoting ourselves to. And all the things that we do are supposed to be in service of this. And if we find ourselves getting off track because it's really easy to get off track... That's one of the reasons we do this together is so that we can remind each other, hey, this is the mission. But if you have somebody, you remind them and you say, this is the mission, and they say, I don't care about that stuff. Here's what I think we ought to be doing. Don't waste your time there. Don't spend a lot of time uh, fighting and arguing. Put it out there. This is what Jesus says we're to do. This is who we follow as our king. This is why we do what we do. And then just keep going. Don't let that take you off track too. That's Paul's point. And then as he continues, he gives these final uh, remarks and says, uh, just, (sighs) he reminds us that it's personal. The whole thing is personal. He has relationships with these people And he's going to send people to Titus. He wants Titus to come to him. And then he says, you know, do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Do you understand what he's saying here? This is part of that uh, last one there. Tend to the needs of others in love. He says Apollos and Zenos are going to be coming through, and there's not a holiday inn in Crete at this point if they're coming through they're going to need a place to stay there's not you know a CC's pizza they're going to need somewhere to eat and so what do you, and they're probably going to need additional funds if they're going to go on further from here and uh so what Paul is saying is when they show up tend to their needs find out do they need a place to stay okay you provide a place for them to stay do they need food to eat? Okay, you provide food for the need. Do they need money to continue on their travel? Okay, you provide that. You tend to their needs in love. And so he says, uh, verse 14, says, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. That word unproductive there, I don't know why it gets translated quite like that because it It actually means unfruitful. And that's kind of a theme in the Bible, (laughs) is that we would bear fruit. Jesus even says, you would bear much fruit, thus showing yourselves to be my disciples. And this is what Paul is talking about uh, to Titus, is that we would be people who would devote ourselves to doing what is good, to tending to the needs of others in love, or as he puts it, um, to provide for urgent needs. Going back to the restaurant, if you have hungry people sitting in the dining room and you're back in the back in the kitchen arguing with the other wait staff and they're never getting fed, you've lost the mission of the restaurant. Paul says we need to remind ourselves. Remind ourselves of who we were apart from Christ who we are in Christ and what that means as far as what it is that we turn away from and what it is that we are to devote ourselves to. Hopefully this is a good way of helping us keep that in mind. As Paul ends it, this is how we will end today. He says, everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. As we do these things, we have to keep in mind, these things don't, it's not the way that we earn our way to God. It's not the way we, um, well, it's all kinds of wrong ways. Of looking at. It. It's all by grace. This is something we get to do because of grace. Because the love and kindness of God our Savior appears in our lives And he takes us out of who we were and he adopts us into his family. And as Galatians says, no longer slaves, but as sons. And if sons, then heirs. That's who we are. It's all by grace. And it's because of this that we get to do the things that he has called us to do, which, he says, are excellent and profitable for everyone. Grace be with you all. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we do thank you for the gift that you have given, the gift of life itself. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, we thank you for the gift of your church. Lord, we pray that you would continue to grow us in, uh, in your word over this next year, that you would continue to, um, to form us into the people that you have created us to be, that you would continue to empower us to say no to ungodliness, and that you would empower us to say yes to the things that you are uh, leading us to do. Lord, we pray that you would also be with us in uh, our relationships as a church, that we would be those who help each other to stay on track. Lord, that this church would be a blessing and a benefit uh, to each other. But God, this would be a this church would be a blessing and a benefit to those who are not a part of this church. That we would be a blessing and a benefit to those who are not a part of any church. God, that we would be those who show your grace and do what is good to all people.